Good morning, church. How many is ready for the word? All right. You know, last week we talked about building your faith through relationship. And it's impossible to have a strong faith or to build your faith without relationship. What relationship are we talking about? The relationship with our Heavenly Father. You have to have that relationship and focus on that relationship for your faith to get stronger. So if you missed that last week, be sure and just get on churchpluggedin.com and you can um, check that out and listen to it. I believe it will bless you and help you uh, as well and just encourage you. This morning, I want to talk to you this morning about refreshing faith, refreshing faith. So before we begin, let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness, for you are a good God. You're King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, I thank you that this morning we can open up our hearts to be able to receive from you what you have for us here today. I thank you for encouraging each one of us in you, Lord, that we would leave here changed and not the same, that we can go to a different level of faith in you. Father, I come against all hindrances and commanded to go in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that we can focus on you without distraction. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Amen. We're going to start reading from Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And Paul is writing here to the Galatians, and he's saying this. He says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Somebody say free. Mm, good word. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. So let me just say what was happening here. You know, Paul ministered to many of the Gentiles, and he was, uh, you know, talking here. There was a group of people, they were called the Judaizers, and they would go around behind Paul after he would speak, and he would talk to them about Christ. He would preach grace, and he would talk about, uh, the, you know, what it means to be saved and what it really means to, to love the Lord. And uh, then they would come around behind where he had been. And he would say, no, you need to do this to be saved. You need to be circumcised to be saved. You've got to have this, which is a work. And Paul's saying, no, you don't. So he's going back and correcting that. And he's telling them, listen, your works can't save you. It's man's religion that tries to force works on us to curb our behavior. See, these Judaizers would come around because they weren't satisfied with all that the Gentiles were doing, and so they wanted to put other works on them. They wanted to put other requirements. But how many know salvation is a free gift? It's free. And so Paul was saying, no, you can't do that. You, you can't, you know, do all this. My righteousness is as filthy rags. I can never measure up. I can never do enough, okay, in my own strength to be justified. I have to be justified through Christ and Christ alone. So here it says, you've been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. See, we're separated from Christ when we try to use work to, works to be acceptable in the sight of God. Christ responds to those who know who they are. 
Christ responds to those who live in his grace, which is the ability to do his grace, his empowerment. Amen? We look in Matthew chapter 15, verse 1, and Jesus was talking here, and he says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and he said, Why do your disciples uh, break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And here's what Jesus said. He says, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Now, it's an excellent chapter. You can go and read a little more about that. I mean, it's a, it's a great passage there. But the point here is that, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes, they, rec- they represent these religious individuals, religious elite. Oh, I know everything. There was a separation between those who were the priests or those who, were, uh, who, who studied all this stuff, Pharisees, Sadducees, and people. How many know back in the day that, you know, you, you couldn't read the Bible for yourself. You had to go to church, go to a synagogue. For hundreds of years it was like that. To hear the word preached, you couldn't read it for yourself, right? Thank God that we have the word that we can pick up on a daily basis to read, amen? amen. And in this country, it's free. That's what I like. It's okay. No one can tell me that I can't pick up my Bible and read. I can read anytime. I love that. So I'm free in that. But see, what Jesus was saying is that religion is man's opinion of God's word. See, this was the Pharisees and said, this was their thing. Hey, you got to wash your hands. You got to do this, this tradition, right? Same thing, law versus grace. Religion says that works are necessary to be in right standing with God, and God hates that. Amen. It is impossible to work your way into a relationship with God. You must be born into it, the second birth. That's why he said you've got to be born again. Just like I am born into, when, when I was born to my natural mother here on this earth, I was born into a family. And now I'm in that family. And nothing can change that. I have hall blood in me, and I can't change that. And when I am born again, I am now in the family of God. I am a child of God. And go ahead and try to tell me something different. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so it's refreshing to know that I am in the family of God, and there's nothing that anybody can tell me. So we know that religion is not the answer, which is man's opinion of God's word, Religion ends up being the problem in that case when we're coming around, man saying, you've got to do X, X, Y, Z. We've got this long list of requirements to do. So what do we do about that? Because it's been preached for so long in many different circles, in many different ways. And we have this thing in us that just like we've got to be good so that we can measure up. How many's ever felt that? Let's just be honest this morning. You've got to be good so you can measure up. I mean, how many's ever felt that? I mean, I have. You know how the enemy, he likes to get involved with that too. And he comes and whispers and he'll talk and he'll say, you know what, you just messed up right there. You're no good. You don't measure up. You're not in the family anymore. He'll tell you that. Because he wants to divide and separate and bring confusion. But we know the truth. The truth is, is I'm in the family. And if you don't like that, you can kick rocks. Amen. Right? So how do we become refreshed? How do we get past all that. Number one, I become refreshed when I know how free I am. 
Now, see, I was talking with Mark Shell, and he came a few weeks ago and ministered. We had a powerful service, and that message is also online. So if you weren't able to be here or hear that, you can go and listen to that really good message. And so he shared another message with me, and he was kind of uh, talking about some things. And, he, and I said, man, uh, now that you've shared that with me, I think I'm going to have to, you know, preach that. And he said, oh, go right ahead. So I got permission. So some of the things here, you know, Mark Shell was was sharing. And it's just how he laid it out. It's not that, oh, I didn't know this or do that. And, and it's like, I'm not going to say a whole lot today, hopefully, that you didn't already know. If you didn't, that's wonderful. I, I'm glad. But if you, you know, you probably already know a lot of this, but it's just the way that it's put sometimes. You know how somebody can come into the house and your house, and if there's a problem outside, like your car being on fire, they come in and go, they can go, hi, how you doing? Hey, I just wanted you to know there's a problem with your car out in the, you know, but if you came to the door and somebody came to the door, your car's on fire, you know, you're going to react a little different. How you say things is important. Words are very important and how we say it. We want to be clear when we're talking about the word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, we've been talking about faith over the last several weeks and how to build our faith. We build it in relationship. It was last week. And so we've been talking about faith for a while. But what does this scripture mean? For we walk by faith, not by sight. Sight here means outward appearance. In other words, look at this statement here. We walk in life by his opinion of us, not ours. That's good. That's really good. Because, see, if I walk in my opinion of me, I I mean, I'm never going to make it. Because I'll always make myself lower than what I am. If I walk in somebody else's opinion of me, same thing. Here's the thing. Have you ever been really excited about something? You're like, maybe it was a business that you wanted to uh, start. Maybe it was a ministry or just this great idea in your family that you wanted to do a different change, a schedule or whatever it may be. And you were super excited because you're like, this is really going to help me or this is really going to go great. This is going to go wonderful. And you just got all excited and then you shared it and somebody just took like a machine gun and just shot that sucker down. How many know what I'm talking about? It was man's opinion of you, your idea, and you, it, they just shot it all to pieces, and you're like, I thought my opinion was great, you know? And, and, and you're just, now you're all torn up. And see, if I live my life according to man's opinion of me, I'll stay down. I won't be refreshed, and my faith level will be like this. Amen? That's just the truth. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I walk in life by God's opinion of me, not ours. See, people shouldn't be able to tell that we're Christians because I, I don't drink or I don't swear or, or I wear my hair a certain way or this or that. No, people should tell that, tell that I'm a Christian by looking at me and going, nothing bothers that guy. Man, he's got faith. It doesn't matter what he's going through. He's not even phased. That's what I want somebody to say about me. That's walking in faith. Not somebody, you know, the thing is, is they shouldn't be looking at me and go, oh boy, he really cleaned his act up. He's he's a goody-goody. He must be a Christian. No. It should be, man, 
I can't believe it. This just happened to him in his car, and he came in with a smile on his face after they hit his car? How could he do that? Because he gave his car to God because he realized that all this stuff down here belongs to him. And it was just given to him and he was just a steward of it. So he was able to put a smile on his face and says, oh, it don't matter because it was God's anyways. See, that's different. That's how I want people to know I'm a Christian. Not by how, quote, good I am, but how I walk, how I act, the fruit that I bear in his name. Amen. And see, it's refreshing when I know how free I am. Because walking with God should be exciting. But see, a religion doesn't allow that. They're like that guy, that, the religion's like that guy that came in with that machine gun and just shot your idea all down. See, the moment you start walking in grace, the enemy wants to come with that machine gun and tell you, oh, no, you got to do this and this and this so you can measure up. A- amen. That's how it works. Look at this statement here. Religion always makes you feel ill-equipped and impossible to meet certain criteria. It zaps your excitement. It zaps it. It zaps your freedom in Christ. That's why Paul said, we started right off in the beginning. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand in that. King James says, stand fast, therefore. Stand fast. Firm. In the freedom that God has given us. And see, excitement and being excited can only come through the refreshing that you can walk in a refreshing with how free you are, understanding that you don't have to do this, 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 and this to measure up and to be justified in your faith. I don't have to do that. I know that my salvation is a free gift. I'm in the family of God. Now, we're going to explain that a little bit more. But why is this so important? Because it raises your hope. Your hope changes when you realize how free you are. Proverbs says hope deferred or hopelessness in a man makes the heart sick. And Proverbs also says, but a good word makes it glad. See, I want a good word. I don't want a machine gun. Because the machine gun comes and makes me hopeless. When someone comes and shoots it all down, says, well, no, that's not right, or that's not a good idea. You know, no, you can't do that. See, the enemy wants to come, and he'll always whisper, and other people do it too, because they're always trying to make you measure up because they don't feel like they measure up themselves, so they're always going around trying to tear other people down. If someone's coming talking to you and they're giving you negative stuff, it's because they have a low opinion of themselves. Boy, this isn't in the notes, but it's good, Amen. It's the truth. And so what you have to do is we do what? Cast down all the imagination, all the high things. And then we can quote the word. And we say, oh no, I'm seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. I'm in a different place than what he just said about me. I don't think so. I'm the head, not the tail, and all things are under my feet. These are the kind of things I've got to say. Now look at this. Let's talk about this freedom and how free you are. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now look at this verse. Many in the church misinterpret this verse to mean that when we die, we're all going to be judged to see if we're going to make it to heaven or not. However, this verse isn't talking about that at all. 
Why? We have a punctuation after verse 27 and verse 28 explains what kind of judgment we're talking about. So Christ, in verse 28, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is extremely important because he's talking about the second coming of Christ. And when Christ comes, he's going to appear, and the dead in Christ shall rise, what? First. That's what he's saying. And to save those, those who aren't dead, that are alive, to save those who are eagerly waiting for it. What does that mean? To save me, now I'm going to get saved again? No, to save you from the corrupt world system that we live in here today, that the enemy has tried to lay illegitimate claim on this earth. He's running around doing all that he can to bring us into the things of this world. And we explained world a few weeks ago and what that means. To save that. Now, so this judgment is not... And, and I like this, this version for this specific verse for this one instance here. Man will appear not to deal with sin. The judgment is not dealing with sin. Why? Because the judgment of sin was already taken care of. It was already done. Sin's not being judged here. All this is, is Christ is coming and he's just looking at the ID cards. Who has the ID card, the right one? The ID card that says T.J. Hall follower of christ as savior and lord that's on my id card do you have that id card that's all that judgment is i've come for those who are eagerly wait those that have that id card that's who i'm looking at he's not coming to judge sin at that moment because sin has already been judged let me prove this In other words, listen, judgment is not in my future, it's in my past. It's what it means to be saved. I accepted his judgment as mine. He didn't just die for me, but as me. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Did you catch that? Therefore all have died. I died and that's why we, that's what Paul said, we're dead in Christ, right? And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And Paul also said that, you know, if we're buried with him, we are resurrected with him, right? Death, how do we get buried if we didn't die as well? We died already. My sin, past, present, future was already nailed on that cross hebrews also says there's no more remittance of sins there's no more christ is going to come down and die on the cross for the sin you do tomorrow if you do that my suggestion is you don't but if you do he's not coming down on the cross to die for that sin again it's already been paid for sin has already been judged at the cross so what is it it's what i believe and what i live out amen If we died with him, then we're raised with him. Judgments in my past, not in my future. But many in the church over the years has preached this, that he's going to judge you, so you better straighten up. Now get this. John 15 says, I am the vine, and we are the what? Branches. So I'm connected to him so that I may bear what? Much fruit. If I'm not bearing fruit... Am I really believing what I say I believe? What does it mean to be saved? 
to believe, like in Philippians 2, Paul said, God, Jesus came down and fashioned himself as a man. He humbled himself, and he was God and man at the same time, flesh on this earth. And in Romans, was it 9 to, 10, 9 and 10, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he rose, and I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead. That's what makes me say that he was God and man on the earth. And I believe that, I confess that. Now look, if I'm not bearing fruit, that means I didn't, I don't really believe it. Let me take it a step further. Let me give you this example. In my house, in my family unit, at home. If I tell my children, I love them. And then I even show them how much I love them. But yet when I ask them to do something, and I've bestowed all these things upon them, I've given them blessings, I've given them all these things, and I love them and I'm giving all all these things to them. And I say to them, there's nothing you can do that will ever change my love for you. I will always love you and you will always be my son. Sarah will always be my daughter. You'll always be mine. But yet my children do the opposite of everything I say. Do they really believe and have they really accepted me for who I am in their life? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So we're not talking about, yes, he's not coming to judge sin later, but remember, he's looking for the what? The ID card. He's looking for those that are in his family. Obedience is a reflection. Our obedience is a reflection of his glory. It's a reflection of who we are. I'm in the family. I know that my God loves me so much and he's given me so much that everything I do, I just want to please my father at all cost, no matter what. Because I'm in relationship and I believe him. This brings us to the second refreshing, which is really kind of a 1A. They go together. It's refreshing to know that I have already been judged it's refreshing to know that judgment is not in my future judgment is in my past i'm already in the family remember the example i gave about my children there's nothing that my son joshua or my son christopher or my son aaron can do that will change how i feel about them i will always call them my son There's nothing they can do. And there's nothing my daughter Sarah could do that will change my love for them. And because I know I've loved correctly and because I know that they they receive that, they receive what I'm saying and they live in my house, they're living in it and they've they've experienced it, they don't want to hurt me, especially on purpose. They never want to hurt me on purpose. And when they do something that's not right, what do I do? I am not this guy. I'm, I don't, oh, I'm not sitting there yelling and coming down and steam's coming out my ears and out my nose, huffing like a bull. I'm like, I can't believe you did that. You know, I, I'm not like that. What do I say? Sit them down and I talk to them about it. And I say, no, this is not the way. 
I believe that the shepherd, we serve a good shepherd, one that has thrown my sin in the sea of forgetfulness. And if I say that my sin is forgiven as far as the east is from the west and I've accepted him on who he is and he lives in me, if he was going to get rid of me, that means he would have to get rid of himself. Which is why I know I've got that ID card and I'm in the family of God and I am free. That's how free I am. That brings me a liberty and when I walk and when someone else says, you can't do that, you can't do this, you're not measuring up, I can say, no, you don't understand. I'm a son in the family of God and there's nothing you can do to take that away from me. Nothing. But see, so many times what we've done is we beat ourselves up. The thing is, is God loves us. And we're free to serve God. And when we know that, and when we come into that realization, I am free because I, I, he died, so I don't literally have to, because, and my sins died on that cross with him. That was the penalty. He became death so I can walk in life. The scripture says that you are righteous. Church, you can't be declared righteous if you haven't already been judged. You couldn't be declared that. That's how I know your sins were nailed on that cross. Positionally speaking, you've been given that robe of righteousness because your righteousness and my righteousness is his filthy rags. It won't measure up. It's his righteousness. And when I realize the kind of robe that I have on and I put on, oh, that's a good feeling. That's a real good feeling. It's like he's wrapped me in his arms. And I don't have anything to fear. I don't have anything to worry about. I can put all of my situation, all of my circumstance in his hands. And I know that everything's going to be all right. That's what's so good about it. Look, the very fact that I say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's not that, you know, when I'm asking for forgiveness, he doesn't forgive me then. He's already forgiven me. But what it does when I say that and I say, Lord, I'm sorry, it releases me. It releases me. We teach that when we're talking about forgiveness and unforgiveness, that if you hold on to that unforgiveness, you're not hurting the other person, you're hurting yourself. And so you've got to be able to release out of your life And be able to say once and for all, I am forgiven. God is not looking down upon me with his binoculars from heaven or his telescope waiting for me to mess up so he can zap me. Now look, I'm not saying there's not consequences for sin because oh my goodness, there sure is. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Your life is a seed. If you sow good stuff, what are you going to reap? good stuff if you sow bad stuff what are you going to reap bad stuff my suggestion is don't do it be obedient to his ways be obedient to him because we reap what we sow but I know that I know that I know I'm free and my God's not out to get me he's just out to love me 
and empower me to reflect his glory on the earth. That's it. My God is not dead. He's surely alive. He's living in me. And church, he needs to be roaring like a lion inside of you. That excitement. Because when he's in you and he's roaring, and it's like you just can't help but tell somebody else. And it's not like this. Imagine this scene where I'm in my house and my wife's standing there and my neighbors are across the street and I, and I get this look on my face. And my wife's like, what's wrong? I gotta go tell them about Jesus. And she's like, well, isn't that a good thing? Well, yeah, it's just, I don't feel like it. But I have to because the Bible said, go and preach to everybody and be witness to them. And so now I got to do it. I'm works. I'm living in works. I'm trying to measure up. I should be so in love with God and realizing his love for me and that judgment's not in my future and that I am in his family to the point that when he said, go tell somebody else, I get excited about that in my relationship. And see, what do we do? Just like we said last week, when you're in a good relationship, you can't help but tell somebody else about it. And so I'm not going to... I got to go tell somebody. No, you're just going to do it automatic because it's natural because you're excited about it. Just like you saw a good movie. What do you do when you see a good movie? It's real exciting and you go tell somebody, man, I just saw this movie. It was cool. But it's like the excitement by and large is it's, it's almost like it's dissipated in many circles in America and the body of Christ and Western Christianity. We've got theaters that are filled up and church seats that are empty. Amen. And the thing is, is we've got what they need and we should be excited about that and sharing that with them. Church, I'm just being real. And, and, you know, I went to a movie not too long ago. It was opening weekend and I said, well, we better get there early. And I'm glad we did. We got there early and the line was still so long. I was like, my goodness, people are so excited about this thing. Just imagine if people were lined up out excited at the church doors. I mean, what, what, what would it take for that? I, I don't know. I'm getting off notes. But you, why do I need to know how free I am? So you can start hoping for things that you used to think you didn't deserve. Hallelujah. Get this one more time. Why do I need to know how free I am so you can start hoping for things that you used to think you didn't deserve. Church, you will never expect because hope is faith in the future, expecting it to take place. You will never expect what you don't think you deserve. Amen. The enemy doesn't want you to know how free you are because your hope is the power of faith and he doesn't want you powerful. He wants you powerless. I'll never receive the things that I don't believe I deserve. If I allow the enemy to beat me up, if I allow me to beat myself up and say I don't measure up, I won't walk in the blessings of God. I won't walk 
in the fruitfulness that I'm supposed to walk in. I won't walk in the freedom I'm supposed to walk in. I won't walk in the victory I'm supposed to walk in. This morning, I believe. Yes, we've known most of what I said this morning. We know that. But despite that, the religion in the United States over the decades has done such a a number on so many individuals to make them feel less than, to make them feel not worthy, to make them feel that they don't measure up. It's a root that's been there, and if you've been in the church a long time, you know what I'm talking about. It's a root that's been there for a while. We've got to uproot those seeds and the stuff that has sprouted from that so we can be free to minister for Christ. Church, I'm looking for a revival. I'm looking for a revival in eastern Prince William County. I want a revival to come to America, but I'm going to start right here in this community. I'm looking for a powerful move of God. And that can't take place in a people, talking about the body of Christ in a body that doesn't know who they are and how free they are in Christ. It's refreshing to know that I am his and there's nothing that I do that will change that. I'm running after him with everything that I have because it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm going to say something to a few people in here because I believe you battle with this. I'm just going to say, you deserve it. You deserve what God has promised you in his word. He has promised you all things that pertain to life and godliness. What does that mean? It means that he will supply your need. But so many times we get down on ourselves, we can't even receive what we need. I'm not talking about your wants. Amen. Because sometimes we'll get into the want thing. I mean, I want a Lamborghini, but that don't mean I'm supposed to have it. God is saying this morning, He loves each and every one of us, and you deserve it. You deserve it. Can we all stand this morning?